0: Welcome to Storyboard, I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We dive into overlooked films and TV and pitch the movie ideas we want to see. Today we'll be feasting on food movies, serving up an original film pitch composed of secret ingredients we each brought along, and giving you a smorgasbord of recommendations to take away. Pull up a chair, baby. So Meg, this episode we've got food films. Um, Was there anything in particular you were looking for? Maybe more like restaurant movies or like Um, food documentaries or... I have
1: no documentaries. Four of the five are all relate to professional cooking, I guess professional food no there's really no theme okay. at all well i i <laughs> they were... fell into
0: some patterns too i didn't mean to but i chose two films by the same director two short films and um and i really feel like all these movies you could like easily watch with your parents which is a, That's... a criteria that i keeps coming up for some reason for me it's a really important you know genre you know when you got some parents to entertain you know, i'm just saying if you going to sit down for a movie with your yeah. husband's parents or something. Hey, I got them. <laughs> I got, got you the killed. in-laws. Lars yeah. has
1: the in-law market cornered yeah, for food films. Yeah, I think, so I have, there are a lot of food films that I really love, but they're really popular, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about them. So I kind of just took it from like, okay, I love this film. What's like a deeper... Like, can I cut mm-hmm. deeper into this? Exactly. So I'm obviously not talking about, like, my dinner with Andre, which features my <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> little dream neighbor, <laughs> Wallace Shawn. Um, you know, I'm not talking about Giro Dreams of Sushi, which is probably, mm-hmm. like, one of those iconic food documentaries. So I guess my
0: theme is just trying to find, like, going a little, a little deeper. deeper. Yeah, mm-hmm. Me too. Um, when I Googled food movies, here's what I got. I got that movie Chef with, like... What's his name? Ooh, John Favreau. That was so bad. Ew, I know. Ratatouille. Sorry, don't like cartoons. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, burnt with Bradley Cooper. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a pass for me. I don't um, even, I can't even picture that one. Yeah, the founder, the McDonald's movie that I kind of like. Did that happen? I that, that these exist? are all so obscure sounding. I know. <laughs> these are deep cuts. Um, and then Julie and Julia, which side note. The, I have a very specific gripe with the scene where um, she's making like bruschetta or bruschetta or however you say it uh-huh. for him in one scene, uh, which would not, the, you know, the newer, the younger, whatever, what's her name? Amy Adams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like they're having a conversation, her and whoever that guy is, that actor, and they're like, and he's talking and he's eating bruschetta and I'm like Spit that out, finish your bite, whatever, like, then talk. But he's just, like, talking Bad and eating manners. and, like, enjoying it. And there's, like, wet mouth sounds. And Ooh, I'm oh, I'm not a big, see, I can't okay, do the wet mouth. That threw Ooh. me off a f- in a few films, yeah. which I might do a yeah. dishonorable mention of. Well, what's your, your first one on your list here?
1: Okay, so my first one is on, English title Sweet Bean. It's a 2015 film by the director Naomi Kawase. And Masatoshi Nagase plays Sentaro, who manages this dorayaki shop on the outskirts of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I had to look this up. Yeah. <laughs> so, dorayaki is a sweet treat made of two little, cute Ooh. little pancakes, Ooh. essentially sandwiching this filling of sweet red adzuki bean paste. Um, so, they look like these cute little round mini pancake sandwiches. Okay. So the dorayaki shop is pretty dead, and he has a couple regular customers. His clientele seems to be pretty much schoolgirls who just show up to hassle him, like give him a hard (laughs) time being like, oh, there's a cherry blossom in my dorayaki. (laughs) Um, But one of the girls is uh, this girl, Wakana, who is kind of more of his little buddy. And so one day he's working on this beautiful spring afternoon. Wakana's there, and this lady in her 70s walks up and introduces herself as Tokia. And she inquires about this posted sign that he has seeking a shop assistant. And Tokia is played by Kieran Kiki. You might remember her as being the grandmother in Shoplifters recently.
0: I haven't seen that yet. Oh, she
1: recently passed. But um, Shoplifters was her last film role. And actually... The girl Wakana, the schoolgirl, is played by Kieran Kiki's real-life granddaughter, Kiara Uchida. So it's an interesting. Mm. Oh. They're not granddaughter and grandmother in this. They're just oh, like okay. little pals. So there's like Aww. a young schoolgirl, this elderly lady, and then this middle-aged guy. I'm into it, in the multi-generational. Yeah. So at first, Sentaro tells Tokyo no, because she's elderly, and he also sees that she has this slight issue um, with her hands. And I don't know what Japanese employment laws are, but I'm like, that seems like a violation. <laughs> um, but he sends her away, and he's like, well, here, I'll give you a dorayaki for free. And she eats it, and she kind of turns around and comes back, and she's like, "Okay, the pancakes are okay, but this <laughs> bean paste—like, you clearly don't make your own; it's not good." <laughs> but she's really sweet about it. Yeah. But then one day she comes back and she brings a Tupperware of her homemade bean paste, and of course it's like this mm. revelation yeah. of like delicious Suzuki bean paste, and he ends up hiring her as his assistant, and then the shop gets really popular because Mm -hmm. it's finally got, like, the perfect bean paste, not this, like, store-bought crap from, like, a (laughs) drum. And, yeah, like, lines around the block, all that good stuff. And then the movie breaks your heart. I won't um, won't get into how it does it. I don't want to spoil the movie. Not that it's incredibly, like, dramatic or anything, but I think it's best experienced for itself, and I don't want to over-explain it. Um, You could just suffice to say that it's this really beautiful and bittersweet movie. And it's also very um, sensorial, like they're making, they're really laboriously spending hours making this bean paste and Mm -hmm. there's like the steam coming off of the paste and you can almost smell it. You know, there's the sun filtering in through the windows and you can almost feel the sun. So Mm -hmm. it's a very, um, you can just really, like it involves, it really does, yeah, it involves all of your senses. And at one point, Tokia says something to the effect that there's this idea in society that you need to be useful to be valuable. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the way your life matters. And she says, you know, we're born into the world to experience it, so none of our lives are in vain because we're all here, like, tasting and looking and, like, living in the world. Um, And I think the movie really works to center that idea. And it was reviewed as a bit sentimental. And honestly, though, I have to say... Compared to what we see in the U.S. as sentimental, I would mm-hmm. say absolutely not at all. I actually think it's more of a philosophical movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I can't differentiate its level of supposed sentimentality from any of, like, the Koreeda movies that I do mm-hmm. like, like Our Little Sister or Still Walking or even Shoplifters. So I'm not really sure. Like, those don't really get that critique. I don't know if this is because it's a woman director. It was, mm-hmm. you know, reviewed that way yeah. because it's really a very quiet, lovely, philosophical movie. Mm-hmm that centers around this little shop and these little treats. Mm -hmm. um, I highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, Oh, so for all my films, I should say, I I noted the memorable dish. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I love it. The memorable dish is obviously the dorayaki with Tokyo's homemade bean paste that, like, when regular customers come and have it for the first time, they're like, oh, my God, this is a revelation. So I'm definitely going to be seeking out, like, some good dorayaki shops when Joel and I go japan later this year Ooh, i didn't know that was I'm happening like, oh
0: yeah oh? now we are just for okay, this okay. <laughs> no no yeah i feel like we should say like click on our links for these recipes just kidding i, <laughs> like, I have no I idea wish. <laughs> yeah well okay meg if you could choose to see a film by the director of life of pi and 2003's hulk or a film by the director of sense and sensibility the ice storm and crouching tiger hidden dragon which would you choose did he direct tr- all of them? Um, Meg, this will blow your mind. Okay, I know you didn't see this coming, but they were directed by the same man, <laughs> <laughs> um, Taiwanese auteur, Eng uh, Lee. Yeah. So my, <laughs> sorry, a lot of build up there. I was just Are like, sorry, I ruined, this- I ruined your gag. No. <laughs> oh the build. Okay. Um, so, uh, 1988's Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, and this has been like on my peripheries for a mm-hmm. while. Finally, saw it. Um, So it's an aging widower chef, lives with his uh, three adult daughters who couldn't be more different from each other. Uh, One's (laughs) a a (laughs) business. So let me just tell you, one's a businesswoman who wishes she were a chef herself. One's a Christian school teacher. And one is the youngest. That's kind of all they give her to do. (laughs) She's (laughs) She's young. She's young. young. Um, She works at a fast food restaurant, and she's flirting with a boy. So the dad is one of the best chefs in the city, but he's recently lost his sense of taste, which sounds like a fake thing, but my dad actually went through that for like three years. Uh, Anyways, side note, it was like a virus he (gasps) got from... Uh, well, his grandson, my nephew, and I was like, "See, you should never have kids. They give you weird viruses. They really? make you lose your sense of smell and taste." Hold I on, swear to God, a child can give you yes, because they gave him a virus and he lost. They finally figured it out after like three years, no, and he finally got it back. But I was like, "See, this is why I don't that's interact with not children. Not worth <laughs> having a child. That's all I'm saying." Hey, this is you know the measles outbreaks, the losing yeah. your taste, not worth it. Ooh, anyway, um, so it's real. It's real. <laughs> Um, I'd rather be able to taste and smell, but that's just me. (laughs) Um, Okay, and um, so all three daughters went out of the house to start their own lives. Um, The majority of the film is spent watching the three sisters um, look for self-fulfillment and independence and romance at their respective jobs, um, while the dad cooks these extravagant meals at home. Like, So he works at a restaurant, but it seems more of like a figurehead thing. He just pops in to save like a, a banquet or something. But he can't taste, so he has to have this... This friend of his kind of like, he's like, oh, I read his face to like, like so he'll, um, he'll taste the chef's food. And then he'll like, based on his face, you know, he'll be like, okay, it's too salty. <laughs> 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 it's pretty cute. <laughs> but there are actually a few, I don't know if you call them twists, but a couple of things I didn't see coming um, along the way. And you see some characters in a different light. Oh, and a conspiracy theory yeah. I have, which we have texted oh. about. Okay. Yes. So the guy that wrote the the theme song for Sex in the City, I can't remember his first name, but his last name's Cuomo. I mean, I want a I full investigation. Like, the theme song for Sex and the City sounds exactly like this uh, bit of music from this film, which, I mean, I guess, <laughs> look up the movie. I don't know. Watch it. I don't yeah. have a, a clip or anything. Um, so the the guy that composed the music for the film, uh, his name is just Mader, M-A-D-E-R. And I looked to see if there was any kind of crossover, collaboration. Pseudonym. Anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pseudonym. Or I kept checking all of their, Wikipedia, you know, Wikipedia and IMDb and whatever. I didn't see any kind of crossover. So maybe he paid him. Maybe he there was a credit. I, I don't know how that works, you know. But I smell a conspiracy. I I think he stole it. I don't know. It's it is crazy. uncannily like I exactly. heard it. You pointed out to me. It is yeah. And I looked up because I was like, okay, the internet's gonna be all over yeah. this, right? Because they're both pretty famous yeah. things. Um, I saw one um Yahoo answers person on the podcast, so you know it's going straight to the top. Um, it was upvoted. Yahoo yeah, answers exactly. is gonna be was One this. person that's like, hey, wait a minute, these are the same thing. you know, and so I was like, Well No responses me and one other Do you know how crazy that makes me feel that yeah. only one other person that on the internet? Be, I mean come on. Uh, anyway, it's the internet. You would think, internet. think it would be like hundreds of results. Maybe and there's like, like a subreddit that I didn't like see or something. Big, actually I was I would say almost like that's not a big crossover audience, but I kind of feel well, like well, it is. Exactly. They have very, like... Yeah. Well, I guess I'd say they have similar tones. I mean, like, I, I It's think... like, Sex
1: and City is huge. Ang is a big director. Yeah.
0: And they're both, like, cute and, like, yeah. character studies, but, like, funny, but kind of dramatic. That is um, weird. Anyway, that's just a personal beef I've got right there. Also, I noticed that this was, um, this film was remade in 2001 as Tortilla Soup, and it was, like, a Latino family, and... I was like, so I didn't know that until, like, because I saw the tra- I was going to maybe watch Tortilla Soup. I yeah. was like, hey, I've seen that around or whatever. And then I watched the trailer for that. Then I watched the trailer for this. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't know until I watched them. Um, but anyway, no, it's totally worth a watch. Um, very enjoyable. It's available for free with ads on, like, Vudu. It's like Walmart's <gasps> oh, site, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But if you want to see it for free, it's on there. Um, but I think it's also available on the major platforms major as well. Platforms. So definitely worth a watch. That food, oof, it looks so good. Ooh. yeah, baby.
1: <laughs> so my next movie, I absolutely fell in love with it, and I am so sorry in advance that it is so very difficult to find in the U.S. <laughs> maybe on the dark web, Lars. <laughs> oh no, don't. <laughs> <no. No. laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Komome Shakudo, English title Komome Diner Slash Seagull Diner, Finnish title Rokala Loki? <laughs> Uh, It's a 2006 film by Naoko Ogigami, and it's a joint Japanese-Finnish production. So the way you'll see it most often referred to on English language sites is Komome Diner. So if you're searching for it, I mean, good luck to you. (laughs) Um, It really is the loveliest movie. So it's set. Okay, the setting is Helsinki. Mm. And Sachi, who is played by Satomi Kobayashi, is this Japanese chef. She's opened a diner called Siegel Diner in Helsinki with the star dish being rice balls. So she mm-hmm. very specifically wanted to make home-style Japanese food, not sushi or ramen, because she thinks that... Basically, she came to Finland being like, the Finns are sensible people. They're laid back. <laughs> they will appreciate the simplicity and lack of pretension in Japanese mm-hmm. home cooking. Yeah. So the traditional rice balls are her centerpiece dish mm-hmm. and she has zero customers the oh. first month like it opens and she's just in her like she has her adorable little diner oh. and she's just like looking out the window like trying to make eye contact <laughs> with people getting them to come in and every day these three neighborhood ladies like stop and inspect the diner every day from the window <laughs> but they never come in even though she like tries to wave at them oh. um and then finally she gets her first customer tommy who is a finn like a college student who's practicing his Japanese and soon he becomes a regular because he wants to practice Japanese and then kind of as a result of a conversation she has with Tommy she ends up meeting Midori who is this really awkward and kind of brusque Japanese tourist who's shown up and is a bit at loose ends like she just decides Mm. up and decides to come to Finland and then they run into each other And they start having a conversation. And then because Sachi is herself, she ends up inviting Midori to come and stay with her. (laughs) Uh, And they become friends. Midori starts helping out the restaurant. And then one day, Masako appears on the scene. She's this kind of, like, mysterious middle-aged lady. She's also from Japan. And... Basically, the first thing you learn about her is that her luggage has gone missing. So she only has like one outfit and like no other clothes. And then soon she becomes part of the gang (laughs) along with Midori and Tommy. And she starts helping out in the diner as well. And basically the film just follows these three women like working in the diner, like interacting with customers, their friendship and solidarity deepens. Like they start to get like this customer base who are drawn to like basically the vibe that they're creating, like the sort of homey environment that they're creating through their friendship in the diner. It's just really such a treat of a film. So there's a few sort of surreal elements. And weirdly, there actually, I think, is this really interesting blend of Finnish and Japanese cultural mm. references and, like, film styles that is very pleasing to, like, our sort of type of film film yeah. fans, I think. I have this real proclivity for films like this where people are just... It's like everyday life. It's a slightly warped prism. So there's almost like a charismatic vibe, but mm-hmm. it's just everyday people and like their kindnesses to each other. Like people are very gentle with each other yep. in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a touch of magical realism. Don't run away. That sounds bad, <laughs> but it's yeah. played to this really funny, like deadpan kind of finish effect that I think is really effective. So it may, that part may turn some people off, but I really I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it was an indie film in Japan. It opened in, like, one theater. And then it, like, word of mouth grew and it, like, became, like, a big hit. So, Kiwame Diner. I had to, I will just tell you, I had to get a Region 2 DVD via interlibrary (laughs) loan at my work. The Real Life Silk Road. (laughs) The Real Life Silk Road. It's like, hey, my
0: network of academic libraries that provide me the DVDs. us the dvds that we need you had like you had to give them like a talisman and like yeah, a key like, a, like a password a whole, or something and okay. then three
1: discs came and <laughs> all of the titles are in japanese and then it was a region two so it's like this european i think <laughs> dvd i don't know why university of oregon has a region two dvd whatever no. anyway and then Joel had to set his work laptop's DVD drive. Like, that's now our dedicated Region 2 <laughs> DVD player. Oh my and then on the menu, we were trying to find how to get the English subtitles. It was all in Japanese. So we were just pecking and hunting there. <laughs> so I went through a lot of effort to watch this movie, and it oh. was totally
0: worth it. Okay, that. that's good.
1: Yeah, I think, I hope that maybe it'll, it seems like it would be a great canopy candidate, honestly. Canopy. Uh,
0: can, it would be Ugh. a great canopy. A little moose bouche Yes. Uh, the memorable
1: dish, it's Sachi's Rice Balls. First with this experimental finish fillings that Midori thinks they should try out of reindeer and red herring. I mean, <laughs> and that's a fail. Wait,
0: red herring? Yeah. For real? Oh, I didn't know those a real food. Or herring. I don't okay, know. I think okay. it's I mean real... they're probably just red snapper. I think so. I think... Or maybe that's a little joke. They were like, Wink. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, oh. Anyway, sorry. We'll just... find out. Or maybe okay. the subtitles just put red herring in there. <laughs> I like, Whatever. Don't speak it's a Japanese. film. Sure.
1: Um and then they go with the traditional fillings. But yeah, those rice balls are a real mm. dream.
0: Rice balls will come up Well, I don't think I'll mention them, but they're in one of my movies, and now I'll mention them later on. anyway. Um, So my next one we watched together. Garlic is as good as Ten Mothers, so we got this on the Silk Road. Uh, But I think it's available. It's a Criterion. It's a Criterion, yeah. yeah. So it's a 1980 um, short film, like 50 minutes long, by um, Les Blank, and... So uh, yeah, I think it's on. I'm surprised. It, that, I was surprised it's, it wasn't on canopy. It is not. Have... Well, and then Criterion's about to come out with their new site. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's around. You can find it. It'll be in the mix. So um, I brought up Les Blank a few episodes ago, and so this film actually represents one of his biggest cinematic passions, which is food. He's made several um, documentary shorts specifically about Louisiana. Cookery, I guess. C- cuisine. Cuisine. Yeah. Um, I guess Brit- that's more of a British word, cookery. Anyway, uh, so I'm just going to call it Ten Mothers because the that title yeah. is great, that's but it's very cool. yeah. long. So Ten Mothers focuses <laughs> <laughs> on the weird, wacky world of early adopters to the garlic craze. Which I mean, that's so weird to think of that in like like, Ameri- like white America. Yeah, in white America. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it includes uh, famed chef Alice Waters, which we've also mentioned before for some reason. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she seems to be in, in Blank's uh, circle of friends. Uh, yeah, she's in a couple of his movies. It helped me to understand a pre again, like from a <laughs> from a white perspective, a pre garlic world that seems very distant, and it really echoed the Food Network, you know. Thing. Again, that's just rampant. Now we can't even imagine a world where there's not like the tra- you know Travel Network and Food Network and uh, so. Anyways, it was interesting to see uh, a Garlic Fest and the coterie of garlic devotees. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh and yeah, so it's definitely worth a watch. Um, just feel all those kooky characters. There's a guy in a garlic <laughs> yeah. hat. I mean, he's he, pontificating yes, on he the meaning it. of garlic. Yeah. In a- Full-on garlic hat that clearly he made himself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've got a lot of questions, <laughs> but no, it was it was a fun ride.
1: It, it's a fun. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of garlic, mm. this is uh, a food that. So this is a good example of like garlic was in some parts of American cuisine, but just not like mainstream, like um, yeah. high sort of like foodie kind of culture. Yeah. So get ready you know we had to have some spaghetti in here oh. <laughs> actually don't even know if he made spaghetti in this movie anyway
0: uh so
1: big night it's a 1996 oh. film which I'm i dying. saw the cover in a <laughs> record store i think no i found the soundtrack in a record store in eugene mm. when i was visiting friends <laughs> and i texted you and was like yeah. how have i not heard of this movie and you're like oh yeah oh you my Okay, uh. so 1996, Big Night, co-directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott of Singles, babe. Mm, t- oh,
0: oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, Campbell shit.
1: Scott was in Singles. And it stars Tony <gasps> Shaloub and Stanley Tucci mm-hmm. as two Italian brothers who have come to New Jersey in, like, the early 50s to start their own Italian restaurant. And Primo, who's played by uh, Tony Shalhoub is primo oh i love that name i know primo well then it's funny so primo is this perfectionist high-minded chef and he is like physically pained by the thought of catering to the rubes who come into his restaurant (laughs) expecting spaghetti and meatballs and tons of parm that's why Mm. i was like i don't even know if he does spaghetti yeah (laughs) but then uh secondo. Is played by Stanley Tucci, and he's like the slick business manager who's like trying to make the restaurant work. He's managing the business side, and like the restaurant's failing partially because they won't cater to like the bridge and tunnel kind I'm of I'm seeing a theme of
0: failing restaurants failing in both, restaurants. And coming up with me too. Sorry, yeah. that's a, definitely a theme. Okay. That's
1: true. Yeah. I guess it's like more interesting than like it was, it did it really did, great. It was just successful. The end, the end. end. That's it the end.
0: <laughs> sold out. Uh, well, there is a successful
1: restaurant in Big Night. Mm. It's uh, Pascal's. So Pascal is played by Ian you know, Holm, doing a truly <laughs> inexplicable melange of an accent. I don't Aye. know if you recall this, but I don't know if... It, I mean, he's British. I So he's Bilbo Baggins, maybe that. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At first I was like, oh, is the joke that he's not actually Italian? He's like Eastern European? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he's supposed to be Italian. I just... He can't do an accent. Hmm, I don't know. Okay. Um, but he is... If the food is super mediocre, but he caters to, like, you know, the rubes and it's always popping because he just has the right vibe. So he's a Jimmy Pesto. Of he's this totally scenario. the Jimmy okay. Pesto. About yeah. 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 Um, but Segundo is banging his wife, played by Isabella oh. Rossellini. I mean, they Ooh. put that's not a spoiler. They yeah. put, That becomes pretty obvious. Um, Pascal kind of seems to be a friend to Secundo and he promises that he can get Louis Prima, this famous jazz performer, to eat at the restaurant and like that'll turn the restaurant's fortunes around. So that night that they're preparing for is like the titular big night that the events in the movie lead up to. And the centerpiece is Primo's Timpano, which I guess is more commonly known as Timbalo. But it's, like, this huge drum-shaped baked dish yes. that involves pasta or risotto oh. or potatoes. And it's, like, in cases, it's, like, casserole filling of, I don't know, madness. Like, meat yeah. and eggs and cheese and tomatoes and, like, I all this stuff. I remember that. Yeah. So Distinctly. that's clearly the uh, memorable dish. is yeah. like, this perfect all <laughs> yeah. that they, like, carefully unveil. Yeah. Minnie Driver's in it. Allison yeah. Janney's in it. It's like a nice 90s film. It pains me a little see that it's a little overacted in some parts because they're like, yeah. we're acting here. We're yeah. men acting. Yeah, it's
0: the 90s. Yeah. This is made
1: for Lionsgate or whatever. Definitely. Ugh. But yeah. I have a little bit of like a soft spot for those yeah. kind of films. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm truly, uh, there are so- multiple scenes where I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just like a fun, engaging movie, and you will end up so. You warned me; you will end up so hungry hungry. by the end. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of Italian food, so I love not only maligned and undervalued films, but I also love lesser-known films by major directors. Mm -hmm. Case in point: um, 1974's Italian American by Martin Scorsese, and that is. Uh, There's no spaces in that. It's kind of weird. It's like Italian-American. No hyphens, one word. Anyways, if you're looking it up. Anyway. Italian-American. Italian-American. So it's a 50-minute short wherein Scorsese interviews his mother and father in their living room, plastic-covered furniture and all. It's adorable. (laughs) Um, He interviews them about their upbringing in New York and their parents' upbringing in Sicily. And Scorsese's mom makes meatballs and sauce or gravy or whatever you're meant to say. Something. <laughs> Something. Red sauce. And uh, and then at the end, they post the recipe in the credits. And <gasps> it's so cute. Except they're That's really cute. vague. It's like, cook it till it's done or whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know. Kink um, away all our secrets. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty much it. I was like, as I was going along, I was like, I want something that's like Italian. Yeah. I don't know. Just, um, so, and sorry to give you two short films, but, no, anyway, it's, but it's on YouTube, I believe. It's it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. And um, it's kind of weird because, I mean, if you're like, what's your favorite Scorsese movie? I would say this and there's actually another short film by Scorsese that I'll I'm sure I'll bring up bring up oh, at some, some point in somewhere in the future <laughs> and those are actually two of my favorite films uh, of his. I don't think that's yeah. crazy. I think that's actually Yeah. Yeah, that's what fine. am want to say Raging Come on. Yeah,
1: come on. Come on. Deep cuts, baby. Yeah. So, this is a deep cut although not <laughs> mm, this director had not too many other credits. So <laughs> so yeah, I happened to I just happened to come across this film. It is Two thousands Hotel Splendide, directed by Terence Gross. It's a British film. Hmm. So imagine it's okay. a remote and cold island, mm-hmm. accessible only by a once a month ferry over like what? some stormy seas. There stands the Hotel Splendide. Okay. So it's basically oh, don't run away. It's this.
0: <laughs> dark, no, I like it. I'm there. So
1: it's like this kind of dark, um, kind of like Edward Gorey version of a seaside health spa like the kind that was popular in the early 20th century uh-huh. when people would like go to like take the air, yeah, oh, yeah yeah,
0: exactly I got bad humors or yeah whatever. exactly yeah. so my nerves yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like this kind of like dark
1: kind of like adam's family edward Gorey. Okay. it's like um honestly like genet so don't run away.
0: Wait. Like, delicatessen. Oh, okay. I was thinking Jean Genet. I'm like, I love Jean Genet. Okay. Oh no. Um, yeah. No, no. no uh, delicatessen City Lost Children. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay, okay. I know. I know. I'll listen politely. No, <laughs> <Genet>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's two thousand. What
1: do you want? But once you hear the actors in this, you might be intrigued. Okay. So it stars uh Tony Collette as Ooh. a calf, and she is this like, spiky, red-haired former sous chef Mm -hmm. who has been drawn back to the hotel by this anonymous letter that is telling her of the death of Dame Blanche, who was kind of like this severe woman who ran the hotel. And her health regime pretty much seem to mandate, like, A, regular enema treatments, (laughs) and B, like, truly horrifying fish and seaweed-based dishes. Mm. I say fish and seaweed, you might be thinking delicious Japanese food. Yeah. No. No. This is, like, gelatinous sea eel stews. (laughs) So it's kind of, like, this weird, you walk into this world that's kind of, like, dark, and I don't know what sea punk (laughs) is, but I imagine maybe it's, like, sea punk. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. So Tony Clark's gotten this anonymous letter that Dame Blanche has Mm. died. Yeah. And so she thinks that it's from her former paramour, the head chef, Dame Blanche's son Ronald, played by a 2000-era Daniel Craig. So Ooh. I have not really seen
0: him in this era. He is a hunk. Really? Like a, like, stone-cold hunk Okay. Hunk. he's um, pretty leathery. I he, mean, he's, oh, like, attractive. I need but to but show I'm you like, a picture of his smooth okay. face. I'll make okay, sure to okay. post is this one smooth on eye Instagram. Only... <laughs>
1: Ooh, <laughs> okay, okay. he's like a brute. I want a smooth
0: hunk. Okay. He's like
1: a smooth, brutish hunk. Okay. Anyway... So, he's got it going on. That's all I'm saying. And so does she. Tony Collette is, like, this, like, sexy, like, 2000. I mean, you had like me at Toni Collette, yeah. but okay. <laughs> so, it turns out that Ronald did not, in fact, send for Cass. So, there's kind of this mystery of, like, who brought her. But there's this tension between the two of them because he's the head chef and she was a sous chef. And she ran away because Dame Blanche was, like, this monster. Yeah. Um, but basically, he's like, I can't be in a kitchen with her. But then they end up in this, like, month-long competition be- because she took the ferry there. So, there's another month until she can leave. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a whole damn thing. Yeah, but basically the competition is Ronald is going to keep serving up his black eel stews to the guests, and like <laughs> I'm
0: imagining sorry the um in Snowpiercer. Sorry to bring up Snowpiercer. Oh, no, the, the little gelatinous. I mean, kind black of, okay, okay, But okay, that's like, what Imagine I'm like jelly
1: molds where you can like see like the fish heads or whatever. Oh no. Oh yeah, it's okay. like it's some real. It's interesting. Um, So he's serving that up, and then Kath is going to serve up these dishes, like these, like, delicious prawns with lemon and, like, a spicy putinesca and Mm -hmm. they're going to see whose food has better effects. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a real soft spot for these, like, wacky, like, 90s, early 2000s black comedies. I think it's almost – it renders me almost incapable of having critical distance. Mm So I'm like, but it's fun and, like, weird. And um, it's just a nice way to pass an hour and a half watching these – Really, these un- unusual <laughs> characters delight over like spices for the first time basically because mm-hmm. a lot of the people at the hotel have been know for a million years and they're like, oh, yeah. what's this, lemon? <laughs> wow. Um, and oh, and there's like a pretty good sex scene between Tony, Clyde, and oh. Daniel Craig. So I know All I got right. you it now. Okay. Uh, Memorable Dish is obviously the main face-off between Cass' really yummy looking pasta puttanesca
0: mm-hmm. and then Ronald's like
1: jellied fish head.
0: It's, <laughs> it's a real contrast. And I love a film uh, – Senator on a Hotel. That's, yes. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, that'll probably come Ooh, up in a pitch too. at some point yeah. in the future. So I have found possibly one of my favorite director, new directors. Um, so my next two picks you'll see. So um, Tampopo, 1985 by um, Juzo Itami. So here's the plot. A handsome and mysterious truck driver who happens to be an expert on good ramen moses into a small, mediocre noodle shop run by a friendly... Widow eager to improve her ramen, so most of the film reads like one big training montage where the trucker and his faithful companion, played by Ken Watanabe, takes her to the city's best noodle shops uh, to learn techniques like broth, noodles, toppings, and then general hospitality. So uh, her goal is to make ramen so good that customers like can't help but finish like every single drop. And, of course, she does it in the end. And after James and I watched it, we thought we would literally die if we didn't have ramen. And it was, like, 1 a.m., and I was like luckily there's a late night ramen shop nearby and so we had to go like it was like imperative um so I'm just gonna say if you're gonna watch it you better have some ramen on standby or something oh it's like a they do like close I feel like from from what I remember they do like close ups of like the broth and then like oh oh, like the seaweed like it's just like the noodles like being like grabbed from the slurped up and like oh man anyways I'm getting hungry right now um so it actually shares some uh qualities with classic westerns stay with me (laughs) so if you wanted. to to segue into that genre, this would actually be like a really safe entry point. I'm just saying if you're like, I'm gonna dip my toe into the yeah, western. Well, because I really do, um, yeah. I've heard it described as, as a like ramen western. western that's a good yeah. way to, to put it. Yeah. yeah, so instead of a instead of a spaghetti western. Yeah. Oh, that's so okay, that's good. Clever. Sorry. Yeah. I see what they did there. Yeah. Um, so uh, a few notes. So the director, Itami, was originally an actor himself, and he didn't direct his first feature. I think it was the one before this. Until he was uh, 50 years old. So there's still there's hope still for me. Time. There's still time. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> Sliver of hope for us. Um, <laughs> and the widow in this film is played by Nakubo uh, Miyamoto, the director's real life wife, who also appeared, appeared in all 10 of his uh, films. And uh, the cinematographer, uh, Masaki Tamura, also worked on Lady Snowblood. So some great chops there. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's actually beautifully made beautifully photographed. It's got a great tone. I think, yeah, you said you, you, you've seen yeah. it. Yeah. But I was just going to say, this is a Criterion release. So it was a little tricky to find because it wasn't on Kenapay, Um But maybe your local library will have it or um, the Criterion site's coming up soon. So I'm yeah, I'm sure it'll che- be on I that. I'll definitely I check it like, out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And get ready to have some delicious, like high quality ramen Oof, afterwards. Man. Just prepare, I think. That's yes. like most of these movies, there's some dish that makes you be like, ah, yeah. I need to like eat this. I might I'm
0: die hungry. Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> this Italian yeah. or this ramen right yeah. now. It's all
1: noodle it's dishes. All it's it's,
0: yeah, it's the all noodle show. To send nudes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um Okay, so I'm taking a weird left turn, a bit And including a movie that I feel like I need to talk about in order to talk about my pitch. That's all I'm going to say. Luis Buñuel is probably Mm. best known for Un Chien Andalou or Belle de Jour. Uh, But one of my favorite films of his is The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, which is from 72. It's one of his later films. And it just centers on the attempts of six members of the upper class as they try and try to sit down to a meal together at various points. That's kind of a simplified version because I mean, it's Buñuel, so it's not a super linear plot. <laughs> it's basically a series of these like surreal interconnected vignettes where dreams and reality are confounded, kind mm-hmm. of his hallmark. So it's sort of an or it is an interesting companion piece to The Exterminating Angel, his mm-hmm. 60s film about people who can't leave a dinner party mm-hmm. and they end up like squatting in their own yeah, house. That was classic. Yeah. This is like the counter point to that where they're just constantly interrupted like they arrive for dinner on the wrong night. They go Mm -hmm. to a restaurant and realize they're intruding on the wake of the restaurateur. Uh, Military maneuver is just like totally interrupt their meal like basically as soon as they're carving their meat. Um, So basically the punchline is just all the shit and the decay that lies beneath the veneer of civility in the upper classes of Europe. So adultery and greed, collaboration with fascists, especially in Latin America, Mm -hmm. the really disgusting relationship between the ruling class and the church. And instead of a Syrian critique, I think Buñuel does um, a great job of just, he's happy just to constantly undermine and ridicule and just lightly psychically torment his characters. So it actually won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film it in did? 1973.
0: Right. Yeah, um, I mean so a stop like, clock uh, tells the right time twice a day. I guess <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. You never know. Well, sometimes with the
1: Best Foreign Language Film, they, they actually yeah. a good Ugh, one gets man. through.
0: But it did, and I guess before the
1: ceremony, uh, this Mexican journalist asked Manuel if he thought he had a chance of winning, and he joked, "Of course, I already paid the 25 grand they wanted." <laughs>
0: oh my <laughs> Americans god. Americans
1: may have their weaknesses, but they do keep their promises. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it was like... It was 72, so I don't think it was really taken as a joke. And it was like this minor scandal. And then his producers Ugh. were all pissed that it sounded like he was like, I bribed people yeah. for this award that yeah. I don't care about. Yeah. Yeah. So the memorable dish in the film is this leg of lamb. Basically, one of the main characters is this ambassador from this made-up South American country of Miranda, who's... It's like, basically, they're under a dictatorship. He's a fascist. But... So he's at sitting at the dinner and uh there's these armed men that burst into the dinner and everybody else is caught but he like is a coward so of course he's like cowering under the table yeah. but he's like mm, can't miss that juicy lamb so he reaches <laughs> up to get the lamb and that like gives him away oh, okay again this is not a pivotal moment there's just a it's one of the vignettes but i yeah. feel like that i think about that lamb because then they like look under the table and he's there like, gnawing like on no the i gotta-
0: <laughs> I don't know why I thought you wouldn't. If I had to guess, I, I'm always trying to just, like, suss out what I think I'm going to like. I wouldn't have guessed that. So it's surprising to me. Well, I, I mean, love plotless movies. I love movies mm-hmm. that are about
1: ridiculing the ruling classes. Mm-hmm. I like movies that don't, that are not overdetermined. I actually would prefer it to be underdetermined. So it fits under that category mm. for me.
0: Yeah, he's one of those early like, auteurs that I explored and I, um, yeah, I was just, I really love him. I don't know. he always have a soft spot for him. So, not related at all, is (laughs) (laughs) um, another film by Juzo Itami, uh, Supermarket Woman Mm. from 1996. Have you seen this? No, it's, 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 I want to watch it. You want to watch this yeah. i mean i look you know i try not to recommend stuff to you yeah because you're a sphinx <laughs> but um <laughs> but i really think you'd like this so it's basically um if jiro dreams of sushi were a rom-com but mm-hmm. not like a rom i mean i'm just saying with those yeah. like those vibes um those like feel-good vibes so again um the director's wife actress nabuko uh, miyamoto is um equally delightful in this as she is in tampopo and she has an adorable bowl cut and adult, like, rompers. Like, the outfits, the style overall is amazing. So she's trying to save a dying independent grocery store once a corporate grocery store opens up across the street. And you will never feel like the stakes are so high for the most minute things mm-hmm. about, like, um, how should we slice the vegetables when we present them? Or, like, our rice balls. See? Call mm. back. Our rice balls are, are – they're, they're grainy um, because the row is – subpar, so you have to go to the distributor and like, Ooh, like yeah. every little decision they make, like, you'll never feel like so invested in the a grocery store uh, you know, flourishes as you are in this uh movie or like or like if um there's like in the incident of like we ran out of eggs like during this like promo. <laughs> it's like the oh, it's like thing. Great
1: British bake off stakes where yeah, you're exactly. like <gasps> you really feel very invested.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I feel like I found like a, a new favorite director here, honestly yeah. with these two. Um I'm I'm excited to explore the rest of his overall so, on a little bit of a tragic note, um, when I was Googling um, the director, it, like, they originally thought he died by suicide in 1997, but then all these things came to light that he was being, like, he had been assaulted by the Yakuza, and that, like, because he made a film of putting them, I guess, in a bad light, or maybe a oh. humorous light. I, I don't know, I have to explore that film. And so, now, like, someone even, like, confessed oh. that they, like, basically, because... A presumption was that he jumped from a rooftop but actually maybe he was oh, no. pushed. And so sorry to get into that tragic thing but you can google that. I'm I don't know the facts on that and maybe that's a you know not true but just something that I noticed on my journey yeah. um that started bringing on a downer note. I will say that he is a the director Atami, is a champion of the working class as strangely as well as the free market. It's very uh, interesting yeah. crossroads there. So it kind of, like, made me question my whole, like, oh, kitchen sink drama is, like, if you show the working class, you know, it's got to be, like, really dour, but he actually shows them in a really, like, positive, energetic light, mm-hmm. and I really liked that, and uh, since he uh, made 10 films, I was like, now I can say I've seen, uh, I've already started out seeing 20% of his, <laughs> yeah. his filmography, so I'm off to a great start, um, but, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend seeing his films. They're very positive and, like, life-affirming, but, like, in a really, like, non-cheesy way. Yeah. yeah. That was actually
1: okay. So that was actually Supermarket Woman was on my to-watch list. So I won't even talk about oh, it today yeah. on my radar because that I had yeah. that on my list. Because I was like, Oh, okay. what else has he done? I love Tam yeah. What else should I see? Ye- and it yeah. looked. I was like, This is so up my alley. Yes, I
0: really think you'll I can't like not Um Yeah, I found like a kind of a poor. Um, transfer on youtube so i don't know if i can find it maybe i'm sure oh i request requested your- i yeah. requested on my library silk road okay, well then maybe we can watch it together <laughs> yeah I i'd watch love it to together. see a really good quality With, like, transfer. good transfer yeah because yeah. the one i saw was kind of subpar yeah. so all right yeah well hey region one or region two baby yeah. we got it yeah, we got you <laughs> covered <laughs> It's pitch time. So, Meg, do you explain the rules? Yes.
1: Okay. So, this is a game we play every episode where we each bring two elements as part of a film unknown to one Ooh, another, sh- and then <laughs> surprise—we pitch it on the spot. Yep. And we. Now have working titles for our pitches. (laughs) So ours.
0: have nothing to do with the film. They're just like a placeholder. They're on the masking tape on the film canister. 35mm canister. It's going out. So Um, what's our working title? Okay, as I was looking up uh, Tampopo, I saw that the editor was Akira Suzuki. And he also edited a film called Office Lady Diary, colon, Affair of a (laughs) She-Cat. So... (laughs) Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> just, you know? That's a real. That's the episode title right there. I know. It's, we don't. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. What a. Uh, you're leaving this week. Right? I am. So yeah. So I'm
1: leading this week. I think that working title just gonna be working <laughs> title. We'll see how this goes. So yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I'm just gonna set the stage okay. here because I've got a a theme mm-hmm. slash director and a main oh, actor. All right. So I love a dinner party gone wrong movie. Mm-hmm say, Exterminating Angel or Discreet Charm or more recent movies like The Party with Patricia Clarkson. I really loved... That film. Okay. So it's all black and white. It came out in like 2017. Hmm. Uh, it's a great little like, oh. per, like you know, intimate drama. Hmm. Um, or the invitation, which was came out maybe like 2015 or 16. <sighs>
0: I and mean, this whole other conversation. I didn't like it. that okay. movie,
1: but anyway, um, or even like Clue, maybe with Tim Curry. Yeah, if you yeah. want like a bigger mm-hmm. reference, oh, totally, might yeah. qualify. So basically, a dinner party where the veneer of civility falls away and the attendees <laughs> start to disassemble. Mm-hmm. So for the director, uh, Lucretia Martel. I mentioned her a few episodes ago when I talked about Zama blowing me away. She also did La Sienaga and The Headless Woman. Mm -hmm. And all of those have this really strong driving element of slowly eroding the sense of self of her bourgeois protagonist. So she kind of has the same contempt for the ruling classes and the same drive to psychologically punish them that Buñuel <laughs> did but she's a she's a better storyteller I would mm-hmm. say so I want her directing a film that mm-hmm. centers on a dinner party mm-hmm. where the facade of manners just like falls away mm-hmm. and it throws everybody out out of equilibrium that's good so for the actor I was like <laughs> I need someone very mannered who can do that like tightly wound thing yeah. and I'm ready for Martel to direct some bigger stars so maybe this will be her first English language film right. so I am also a bit of an Anne Hathaway apologist. What? And D- I am, You've dropped a bombshell <laughs> on me. I won't be able to <laughs> recover from
0: it. <laughs> I am a bit surprised. I'm going to keep you on your toes. I bars. Honestly, <laughs> I can't think of something that would be more surprising. <laughs> I am speaks. Uh, oh my God. And
1: she's also currently starring in a movie that looks like a real stinker Serenity with. Nathie I've heard McCormahe. of it. I don't know. No, it, it looks horrible. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna say let's rescue her a bit and put her as Martell's lead in this dinner party meltdown movie.
0: I don't know which end is up. Okay, <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. Okay, well, okay, this is interesting. Um, so my actor is uh, Tony Lung from like um, In the Mood for Love, yeah. a lot of Wong Kar Wai yeah. stuff. I just he's another crush of mine, yeah. and I feel like I haven't seen him in a lot lately, yeah. um, or that I know of. And I just always thought he had this really, like, brooding sexiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've just yeah. always been a fan of his. So I don't know where he's at, uh, but Tony Long. Yeah. And my wild card. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Four words. Full. Frontal. Male. Nudity. Yeah, baby! Yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> whoop, whoop! <laughs> so I think, oh, I I mean, think I'm liking this. ready. Oh, I'm into this. Yeah, like, so, yeah. like, Anne Hathaway is okay.
1: clearly the host. Okay. She's, like... You know, got some high power job. Mm-hmm. She has to have like this perfect veneer. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tony Lung could be like maybe he's like an ex-paramour, but he's also like a high-powered economist or something. He's yeah. like one of the guests who's coming mm-hmm. to
0: I this think. party. <laughs> <It's> just, <yeah. laughs> well, you well, know, it could be him getting ready for the party. I mean, I don't want him to be inappropriate about it. No, but I, want I mean, make a sexy thing. But how? I mean, it is like we and it's his. We want Melm everyone nudity, to. By the way, I don't. I just. I just want to see like, Tony to There's a very specific nudity. agenda I have here. Right? <laughs> like when I say male nudity, I mean, I mean... Tony Long. I don't mean any other bullshit <laughs> person in the movie. I don't care. I
1: mean, you know, there could be a lot of ways this goes. It yeah. could be, like, some kind of, like, country house and, like, someone's, like, creeping on him as he's, like, preparing for dinner. That's an option. <laughs> or I do think there could be a point at which, you know, I think Martel's interested in, like, the sort of sexuality of her protagonists often, like they're mm-hmm. kind of like baser instincts. I so they, they slip
0: away. That's what I'm wondering. I think they slip away at I some think point. Like in the should. second act or yeah. something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like as things are starting to fall apart, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. something in the dinner party has yeah. like fully there's gotta be some like agent of chaos some sort that of, comes in. Yeah. Catalyst. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure what it is sure going to be. But, One uh, of the yeah. guests
1: clearly is a catalyst for something that, like, torpedoes everything else. I feel
0: like the lights need to go out. Yeah. And everyone's, like, lighting candles. Yeah. And they're
1: waiting on a final guest yeah. to show up. Mm. But, like, I don't think there's no supernatural element. I think it really should just yeah, be them, yeah. like, mm-hmm. losing it. Like, they're yeah, all yeah. so tightly wound. Yeah. Probably heavily medicated because mm-hmm. of the class of people that I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, there's like no then, cell phone
1: service, so I don't want no, technology in this. I just want no. people
0: interacting. Oh yeah. yeah, can you
1: imagine that? Like what? Like <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I'm <laughs> gonna take a dick
0: pic. Sorry, but okay. like, yeah. a like a
1: candle lit, like a candle lit Tony. Huh? Ooh, like yeah. fully yeah. nude and like. Oh my god, <laughs> we're gonna
0: just <laughs> we're woo! turning this into an erotic. Okay, <laughs> no. Yeah, but I've been reading my notes,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like that could be a really, you know, and it's going to show how easily that falls away, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone is going to be like in like these gorgeous, like really fashionable chic clothes. Like I imagine they're all kind of like these high powered whatever.
0: Mm hmm. Maybe, like, a lot of, like, not to say relationships, like, even in a sexual romantic way, but maybe, like, a lot of old beefs are, like, resolved. Yeah, and a like, lot of things happen. But then as soon as the party's over, it's, like, you know that they're just going to go back to their old lives, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. There's, like, maybe
1: a couple exes. Maybe mm-hmm. there's, like, someone who has a kid with somebody else. There's, like, college roommates who yeah. have had a falling Yeah. Ooh, ex-business partners is always a good mm-hmm. one because that kind of, like. Yeah drags it out mm-hmm. there's but people it, in the kitchen that are cooking yeah. and then like
0: how do we cook with electricity or whatever and like all
1: their like petty beefs with each other have to come out immediately because mm-hmm. she loves mocking them mocking <laughs> like i don't know that bourgeois sort of sense yeah. of like oh we can make things it's all fine yeah we're great friends now i yeah. would love a film that really skewers that because oh, i know okay. a lot like of people that. like mm-hmm. that Where it's like we're yeah. all
0: fine now we're fine mm-hmm. i like it I think that's I'm enough. It. I, I, think I, don't I don't think enough. we need to jazz it up. No, I don't think so either. I think that's great. And it's called Office Lady Tyree Colon, Affair of a She-Cat. Uh, a working title. It's perfect. Fine. That's fine. I mean, it totally makes sense. Alright, so now it's time for what's on our radar past present and future what we've been watching what we're looking forward to or things we'd recommend so my first one is blaze uh i think it came out last year directed by ethan hawk it's a biopic stay with me about the um little known texas singer-songwriter blaze foley so it's a real person um and he's played by actor ben dickey which is a guy from little rock that james was like I'm pretty sure I knew him. Whoa! Yeah, but it was just kind of crazy. And also had Aaliyah Shawcat, so breath of fresh oh, air yeah. there. And so she was playing Blaze Foley's real life wife, Sybil Rosen, who like it's all based on like a book she wrote about their lives together. Oh, And Sybil Rosen co-wrote the script with Ethan Hawke. So it's anyway. Yeah. So you're getting more of her perspective, which I appreciate in a biopic. Yeah, totally. Usually, it's all about the dude, and then oh, like, yeah. oh, there's some woman who cares. So it was yeah. It was actually pretty well rounded. Um, And it kind of, like, lacked a cogent structure, but I think they were kind of going for that. um, I mean, I don't necessarily want a biopic to have, like, a linear, like, chronological structure. It's a a tough thing. I will admit it's a tough thing to do a biopic, but it had a, a really great tone, very warm tone, and although I would say the cinematography was best described as a 2012 Instagram filter, it was oh, real no. like warm, warm tones. Oh, which I even mean, rock can, what you doing? I know. So I was like, oh, a little, a little intense, and we pull back on that yeah. a little bit. And just a side note, the longtime um, Texas musician, real life musician uh, Charlie Sexton, who I remember from like MySpace days, like it was like a random like uh, recovered memory huh. as I was watching this, but he played Towns Van Zant, who is another like famous. Yeah. Um, not, could be more well known musician. But yeah. He played him like to perfection. Like, I thought he did a great job. Um, anyways, that's just a side note. But all this to say, it made me um, consider a podcast idea oh. that I think should be made. So here's what it's called. Okay. Sorry, real quick <laughs> side note. It's called Undersung. And I want it to be like a, a series about musicians that we're just now finding out about now because of like the internet age. Mm-hmm. So like your Karen Daltons, your Sugarmans. So like their backgrounds, their body of work, um how we discover them after the fact, like where their lives went once they didn't hit it big. Um I don't know, I just feel like so many things I find on Spotify that they recommend, I'm like, who is this person? I love them. This is genius. Like they're ahead of their time. And, uh, and then you look up stuff about them, like, oh, they died penniless in, you know, <laughs> yeah. in obscurity. And I, I don't know, I'd really, and I've kind of, like, sought out weird little YouTube mini documentaries about people, uh, like Judy Sill and stuff. And and I just wish that someone would make an actual, like, series, uh, a podcast series that was just about yeah. these, like, little known musicians.
1: It'd be good for, like, a quality music magazine or yeah. website to do, right? Yeah.
0: Like, and we got the perfect title. Yeah. Under song, I'm just... Just saying. It's pretty good. Got it. Yeah. Free money. She's printing out. Uh, <laughs> exactly, She's printing money. Here. <laughs> uh, and sorry, I didn't mention also. Um, Velvet Buzz saw <laughs> real quick Netflix uh, uh, movie. Dan Gilroy, who did like Nightcrawler, uh, just put out on Netflix. So it is kind of bad, but it's in that kind of fun, bad 90s art world way of, I don't know. Anyway, so it was just like a fun watch. Tony Collette's in it. There's a lot of like death by art. So these people are killed by. <laughs> works of art in different ways which is kind of hilarious i like uh if i'm gonna get jake gyllenhaal i want a crazy jake gyllenhaal i want a, okay. a wild eyed so the nightcrawler um, vibe yeah like. i was like let's yeah. just do it um so it was kind of fun and i like seeing sing vaude from fresh meat uh that that oh, british show she's in it i so, love her yeah she plays a major role okay that also gave me an idea if i may <laughs> if just, i may be just, so bold. the idea
1: factory over yeah, here <laughs> sorry these
0: yeah, um, so someone needs to start, like, just, like, an Instagram or a Tumblr that is, this is very specific here, okay, that's exclusively screen grabs from films and TV shows that feature outfits on um the people that attend art openings or characters that are, like, in the art world, like, specifically, like, late 70s to mid-90s. Like, I just think that it's just, like, a rich tapestry. That's a mood board. Yeah, exactly, because it's, like... It's, like, a harmless stereotype that yeah. is being lampooned. But also, I feel like some of the outfits are pretty great. Like, think about, like, the parents from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, or I don't know if you remember, like, the characters of Bettina and Max from Abfab, that weird art couple. Um, <gasps> more oh, than, like, the past. Okay, okay anyway. Yeah, I so, can sorry, picture what you're talking about. So, sorry, this is, is a very specific... Yeah. Um, this is very niche. This, this is a niche audience. <laughs> well, it's weird because it's, like, the, the examples are kind of rare when you think about them. But I just feel like some nerd needs to go i don't yeah. want to do it but someone needs to go through all these like movies and films there'd be plenty that of portray... examples from sex in the city probably. exactly so yeah. i just want these like weird art parties art museum openings or the art world in general and you know women are in crazy hats and, yeah like, Oh yeah. i don't know like it's like... like all
1: isabella blow kind of like yeah, exactly like it's like couture um,
0: darling so that's just something i personally want and just a couple of quick Actual recommendation. <laughs> um, where, uh, this is from a few episodes ago, but the movie Cherry 2000, I was kind of going down that rabbit hole. And so these are people like tangentially like related to that, like the the co-writers or like actors were in these other movies. So um, Gotham from 1988, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Virginia Madsen and a lot of saxophone music and like Venetian <laughs> Ooh, lines yeah. and lots of noir vibes. It just like looks like a sexy thriller. And so James and I watched that a really shitty trailer on youtube we're like we're in baby <laughs> yeah. um so also the bride from 1985 it looks like a frankenstein sort of universe <laughs> um starring sting and jennifer beals whoa and what? so i'm like what's going on there again yeah. um the trailer was just a clip so i'm like that's bullshit. oh that's I always really that, hard i you know? hate that anyway but even the clip was like it's like satin vests i'm in So um, another one I found is a movie called Dudes from 1987. It's a Penelope, is it Spears or Spears, Spears, yeah. Spears film. Um, So the description is two punks from the big city uh, traveling across the country in a Volkswagen bug embrace the Western ethos when they must take revenge uh, against a group of rednecks for killing their friend in this lighthearted road movie. (laughs) So I think it's, I think I saw it on Amazon, and so I was like, "I'll check that out." It takes I'm a real turn. Like, I mean, there's a <laughs> like lot. Of, there's a lot there. You got yeah. punks. You got uh, like kind of a, a western um, road movies. I don't know. There's something for everyone there. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. <laughs> How about you?
1: Okay. So one recommendation Uh, so I just watched High Flying Bird it just came out on Netflix they keep reeling me back in every time I'm like I'm cancelling Netflix I only have like dumb crap on it then this comes out and I'm like what this is like the biggest Meg catnip of the world (laughs) Um, so basically the film ponders what might happen if NBA players recognize their full power as workers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. dare to seize the means of production (laughs) Yeah. So it was conceived by Andre Holland, best known for Moonlight. Ooh. He also stars. The script is by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who wrote Moonlight. And oh then God. it was directed by Soderbergh. I am no Soderbergh booster, but trust me, it yeah. is, he's not retired. Yeah. He's still in the mix.
0: I think James Rett, sorry, just real quick to interrupt your thing, is James said that he had the finished film edited three hours after they shot the last bit of Which like on the last day because he had been editing obviously right. the whole time yeah and he's like three hours like oh it's a wrap three hours later he's like got it here you done-zo. go and i'm like he's a he's a pro anyway he is a pro sorry, I, just, I mean I was, he is one of those oh, God, like that.
1: that is like oh i can like you know direct edit like do mm. i mean he's yeah clearly probably sleeps like two hours a night oh i don't God, really know no, right <laughs> So there are some interesting appearances by young NBA players like Kat Mm. and Donovan Mitchell and Reggie Jackson, as in, like, the young Reggie Jackson who looks, like, cool as hell. (laughs) So the premise is basically that during an NBA lockout, which, sidebar if you're not a fan, uh, a lockout is basically no games are going on because of a labor dispute between players Mm -hmm. and the billionaire team owners. Andre Holland plays an agent who seizes on a way for this young rookie that he represents to flex his image and basically use like his social capital and buzz to threaten the power balance of the league, which that balance right now is really heavily, heavily weighted towards the owners, even though without the players, <laughs> yeah. they have nothing. Yeah. So even if you don't fit into my specific demographic <laughs> of like leftist NBA fans who <laughs> think it should be a player-owned cooperative, I think that... The essential sort of struggle in the film will be uh, very relevant. And Dr. Harry Edwards, The Revolt of the Black Athlete, that book from 69, makes a key appearance, as Mm. does Dr. Edwards himself. I really hope that it becomes like essential watching among like today's athletes, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it has a really interesting message about flexing your own power as a worker, no matter your pay scale. So as far as Want to Watch, Supermarket Woman was on my list. So yeah, that is, no, I fully endorse did that. Get it through my library, Silk Road. And <laughs> <laughs> oh. Also on my Want to Watch list is Rent-A-Cat or rent a Nico. <laughs> so it's the same director of Kumome Diner, Naoko Ooh. Ogigami. Basically, it centers on this single woman who runs a cat rental service for lonely people. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's really up my alley. It's like same director as Kumame Diner and cat. I can't wait. It's already, I've already requested it. <laughs> okay, okay. It's another region
0: too. I think we're gonna have, I'm have gonna, a lot of movie nights.
1: Like we're tell, gonna have yeah. coming up. <laughs> well, we gotta go eat some snacks at this <laughs> yeah. point. We're desperately hungry, so that's <laughs> Foods, it. Please, <laughs> that's it for us. We're gonna have like ramen and spaghetti and mm. rice balls. And then we're gonna have some like teriyaki. Starch, starch. Yeah, no protein whatsoever. No. <laughs> um, you can. Subscribe to keep up with us and leave us a nice review. Don't leave us mean reviews because hey. why are you even still here? Come on, so Give man. us a break. <laughs> uh, if you have your own elements you want us to rip on in Pitch Generator or if you have segment ideas, I Ooh. have a segment idea from a listener. We'll be debuting in a future episode. You can drop us a line at storyboardpod at gmail via Instagram at storyboardpodcast, Twitter at storyboard underscore pod all the links are in the episode notes. Till next time.
0: All these pictures, I'm always like, "This is gonna be a mess." I'm like, no, "I would, would hundred percent, thousand percent watch that." Yeah. Sorry, I really like uh, my yeah. wild card. Anyway, <laughs> know, still I riding think that it's vibe. A real ooh, <laughs> ooh, sexy. Got some. Ooh.